0: Will you stand with us? Let's begin our worship this morning. We are made new.
1: What's up, Kavanaugh Church? Good morning, it is so good to see you guys. Everyone having a good weekend? Thumbs up, I'm a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of guy. Okay, good, everyone's doing well. So good to have you here. Very glad to have you here. It's good when we get together as a church and be able to come and have community and be able to worship and to to gather around God's word together. And so thankful for that this morning. I want to welcome all of you who are online with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're a guest, thank you again so much for being here, checking out our church. We are very, very glad to have you. Excited for what God has in store for us today. Um, I say this all the time, and I, I feel like it's a little cliche at times, but I don't want it to be, I want to be able to come here and expect God to do amazing, awesome things. And I believe that he does every single week, whether it's, uh, whether it's in the small details or in the grander scheme of things. I want to see God work and move and change my life for the better. And I believe that he can and he will. All right? So today we get to gather together and celebrate for what he's going to be doing and how, he, how he's going to change our lives. So I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to pray and ask God to move in this service and make us into the people that he wants us to be. Let's pray. Lord, again, I love you, and again, to to bring us all together, your kids, to gather us here so we can learn and grow um, and become the people that you want us to be. It's an honor, and it's our greatest privilege. And Lord, I'm so thankful for our church and that this is a place where we can come and we can do just that, God. So move in the spirit through the rest of our worship set and through the, the giving of the word. Bless Brother Will as he brings the message to us and just pour into our hearts, into our lives. Again, make us into the people that you want us to be. In your name, amen. Hand out some air high fives and let's continue to worship.
0: For God, we just have to believe who God says we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. I was thinking this morning about the weight of our words. And um, when we pastored, not this church, it was a different church, but uh, there was a family and they had two sons and the oldest son did everything right. And the younger son was always told... He could never do anything right. Why don't you do that like your brother? It was just a constant comparison. And let your brother help you with that. You can't do that. And it ended up where you're never going to amount to anything. He was just constantly told that over and over. And you know what? He believed it. And that's what he became. The power of our words. Right? But we don't have to believe What others say is who God says we are. You know, if we would linger in His presence, right? And if we would value what He thinks about us more than what others think about us. Wow, how different would we serve? How different would our lives look? Let's linger this morning in the presence of God. to be the same. When we leave this building today, let us say that it has been good to be in your house and good to be in your presence with other believers. We lift your name up high, Father. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.
2: Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Uh, give them a big hand, boy. They did a great job. Appreciate them leading us in worship. Glad that you're out there and uh, glad uh, you're watching online. Thanks for uh, being with us. I'm doing a sermon series on on mission with God, and uh, I think it's important that we understand the quest of God, what God is trying to do, not only in the world but also in our individual lives and that we get on mission with God, all right? And we've been looking at that through the book of Jonah, and today we're going to be back in Jonah. But right before we do that, let's, uh, let's talk about being on mission with God, and that is the purpose of Kavanaugh Church. So here's our mission statement. We've been reading it every week through this series. Would I know you just sat down, but you need to stand back up, all right? Come on, let's get back up because we're going to read our mission statement together. Read this out loud with me. At Kavanaugh Church, our mission is to win people to Christ, to train believers to become disciples, and to send disciples out to impact the world. What a great mission, amen? That's what we're all about. Thank you, and you can be seated. Winning people to Christ, training believers to become disciples, and then sending these disciples back out into the world to make an impact for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? We see all of this playing out in the book of Jonah as Jonah gets on mission with God. I've got two verses I want to read to you today from the book of Jonah. The first is Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. We've already looked at this. Jonah originally was called by God in chapter 1, verse 2. Here's what God said to Jonah. Arise, get up, Jonah, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. As we noted, God has a quest to save the nations of the world. Why? Because people are important to God. God cares about people. God cares about you. God loves people, and it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to faith in Jesus Christ. So here is this city that is so wicked, their wickedness is literally risen up to God. And God is going to have to judge their wickedness. But instead of just annihilating them, God wants to save them. Why? Because that's God's heart. And so he picks a, a prophet, a guy named Jonah. And he calls Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites. But here's the problem. Oh, Jonah doesn't want to go. He has a prejudice against the Ninevites. In fact, he would rather them just die and go to hell. He could care less if they were saved. But that's all part of God's plan on Jonah's life. Because second part of the purpose statement is to train. And God is not finished with Jonah. Jonah needs to get over his prejudice. And so God is going to work in his life. He says no. He gets on a ship going from Joppa down to Tarshish, the furthest known point in the world. And God hurls this great big storm on the sea. And the end result is Jonah is thrown overboard God prepared this fish who was a submarine who swallowed Jonah and took him down into the depths of the ocean. And that's where we were last week. All of chapter 2, Jonah is coming to his senses. He realized, you know what, it would be better off doing what God called me to do and saying yes to God's will instead of running from God's will. And so chapter 2, he, he prays, he confesses his sin, and then we have this second verse in chapter 3, verse 2. God said to Jonah, arise, get up, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that i tell you so you know what jonah's getting here a divine do-over jonah's getting a second chance and let me tell you that's a good thing right because we all need a second chance and some of us need a third fourth fifth a hundredth chance but god is the god of second chances next week when we come back we're going to examine chapter three which is literally Jonah's second chance. But you know what? This week I got stuck in chapter 2. I couldn't get out of Jonah chapter 2 because that's when Jonah was down in the fish's stomach and all those digestive juices just floating around for three days and three nights. And Ken, I kept asking myself, what in the world was Jonah thinking? Really, what was going through Jonah's mind for those three days and three nights? And I don't know exactly, but I I got a pretty good idea. He he was trying to answer three questions, which literally are the three most important questions that we have to answer in our life. What are they? Number one, what does God want for my life? Number two, what's it going to take for me to give God what he wants? And number three, why should I do it? And I really believe Jonah spent those three days and three nights answering those three most important questions. So today we're going to get in the head of Jonah, so to speak, and we're going to answer those questions for ourselves. Question number one, what does God want from my life? And really, listen to me, this is where Brother Jonah missed the boat. No pun intended, all right, no pun intended. Because when you read through the whole Bible, it becomes very clear what God wants from your life. And i can answer it in a single word god wants everything god wants all that you have he wants your whole life he wants my entire life there is not a single verse in the bible not one that says you can be a christian and live your life any way you want to it's not there god wants all of you and god has a very specific plan for your life so God doesn't want just 10% of you. God doesn't want 50% of you. God doesn't want 99.9% of you. God wants all of you. And God is very clear about this. In fact, there is no mystery in the Bible concerning this point. Look with me at Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Paul said, Give yourselves completely, wholly, totally to God since you have been given new life now here's the basis of us giving everything to God why because Jesus gave us everything Jesus gave his life so that you can have life and because he has given you life you need to give yourself completely to him and then it says use your whole body look at your hands your fingers That, that means your hands and fingers look at your feet That means your feet, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your heart, your will, your hands, your feet. Use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. So there it is. God wants all that you have, every bit of you, every part of your body is to be given to God for God's glory. It's got to be all of you. Now, I love reading C.S. Lewis, and I got got a great C.S. Lewis quote that falls right in here at this point. Here's what C.S. Lewis once said. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Let that soak through your system. The only thing our faith Christianity cannot be is moderately important. If Christianity is real, if what we're reading in the Bible today is true, you know what? It deserves all you got. It deserves your very best. And if it's not true, then you know what? You shouldn't even be here right now. The only thing Christianity cannot be is just moderately important. It's either all or it's nothing. It's either true. And that should determine the course of your life or it's not true and you just go on home. You know what? There are a whole lot of people still sitting on the fence at this point. And here's what they say. They say stuff like this. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I hear that all the time. I don't know what God wants me to do. I've got a verse for you if that's that's what you're thinking. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12. This is what the Lord God wants you to do. (laughs) Okay, so if you've been wondering, what is it that God wants me to do? Here's your answer. This is what the Lord your God wants you to do. Respect the Lord and do what he's told you to do. Love him and serve the Lord your God with what? Your whole being. Interpreted, that is everything you've got. But again, there's a lot of people who are still sitting on the fence here. They say, well, you know what? I'll I'll serve God in my spare time or in the time I have left over. And, And I know what these people are thinking. They look at their life like a pie. Are you thinking about pies right now? Chocolate, strawberry, coconut cream... No, not that. But their life is a pie. And you know what you have in a pie? You've got slices, right? And so they categorize their life. They've got their social life over here. They have their career life over here. They have their family life over here. They have their spiritual life over here. And for most people, that spiritual slice is just a little bitty sliver. And God says, no. No. It doesn't work like that. Your spiritual life can't just be a slice or a part of your life. It's all you are. It's got to be everything. God says, don't pigeonhole me and say, you know, God, I'll give you 10% of my life. Why? Because he wants all of your life. He wants your whole being. Now, I've heard this myth all of my life. The myth that says you can do it all and you can have it all. Well, I'm 59 years old, and let me tell you, you can't do it all, and you can't have it all. Amen. But you can give it all. Amen. Waiting for that to soak in. You can give it all, and that is what God is asking, that you give him everything. Why do I say that? Well, it's because of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon is the word in the King James. It's literally money. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, it doesn't say you should not serve both God and money. It says you cannot serve both God and money. He says this is an impossibility. So what in the world is Jesus talking about? Well, he is saying it is impossible for you to have two number one priorities in your life. It can't be done. You cannot have two number one priorities in your life. You're always going to have a number one priority. And then everything else is going to be two, three, four, five, six, and so on. You can't have two number one priorities. Now, there are a lot of other things besides money that can certainly push God out of first place in your life. For example, work can do that. I know a lot of people who, who are workaholics. They're addicted to work. Work is their number one priority in life. I know other people whose number one priority is their sport or their hobby, or their thing that they like to do. For others, your friends, your network, your community can be number one priority. Some of you, schoolwork. It's not many of you, but maybe for one in this room, it's your schoolwork that is your number one priority. For others, dating. That boyfriend or girlfriend becomes the number one priority. For others of you, it's your family It's your kids or your grandkids that are first place in your life. And what God is saying is this. You cannot serve both God and something or someone else at the same time. It is impossible to do that. And God says, I want it all. I want to be totally in charge of your life. So guys, the question then becomes this. What's going to be first place in your life? Or let me get a little more personal with you. What is first place in your life? I mean, be honest with yourself right now. Answer that question. Is the number one goal in your life right now building a career? Is the number one goal in your life right now raising your family? Is the number one goal in your life right now saving for retirement? Is the number one goal in your life right now maintaining your good health? Now, all of these things I just listed are good, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with all, any of those things. God made all of those things, and you know what? They're for your good, except when they become first place in your life. God says, you will have no other gods before me. And whoever is first place in your life has just become your God. And any time you have something in your life that is number one except for God, that thing is called an idol. And it can either be a thing or it can be a person. And God says, it's wrong. It's wrong to have an idol in your life. It's wrong for anything other than me to be number one in your life. I want to be number one. I want to be before anything else. And here's the deal. Look at me and listen to me. When we do put God first place in our life, God becomes the number one priority. All of these other things that we are spending all of our time and all of our energy and all of our worry over, all of these other things find their proper place and perspective. And it is only when we put God first place in our life that all these other things make sense. Family makes sense. Job makes sense. Finances make sense. Only when God is first place in our life. So who's in charge? Who's number one in your life? You, you've got to make that decision today. Who is char- Who is the Lord of your life? Is it you or is it God? Okay. Is it God first or is it you first? Let me just ask you another personal question. Where are you saying to God, me first? Where are you saying to God, me first? One time Jesus was walking down the street and and this guy approached him and they started a conversation and and Jesus, Jesus said to that guy, follow me. And the guy answered back to Jesus and said, Okay, Lord, I'll follow you, but Lord, let me first go take care of a few things. Now, here's the kicker with that. That little phrase, Lord, let me first, is a contradiction. Because you can't say Lord and me first at the same time. And if you're saying me first, then you know what? He's not your Lord. It can't be me first and The Lord first. So again, you need to make that decision. So, where are you going to say to God, me first? You know, Christians even do this. Where where are you saying today, God, I'll live for you, but let me first get married. (laughs) Lord, I'll live for you, but let me first finish school. Lord, I'll get on fire for you, and I'll really serve you, but Lord, let me first get my kids out of the house. Let me first pay off my mortgage. Let me first gain financial independence. Lord, I will serve you, but let me first get my kids through college. And God says, if I'm not first, none of these other things are going to make sense. And your life is going to be one big frustration. Jesus even told a story about it. He said, it's like this king who was going to have a big banquet, a huge party. And so he started inviting people to to come to his party. And one by one, the people started making excuses why they couldn't come. For example, the first guy said, oh, Lord, I've just bought a a piece of land and I need to go check it out. Now, how many of you would buy a piece of property without first going and looking at it? eh? But apparently this guy did, so that was his excuse. The second guy said, Lord, I, j- I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I've got to go test them out. Would you buy a car without driving it first? Let me tell you, I did that online one time, and it's, it's, um, it can come back and bite you, you know? Yeah, but that was his excuse. Not really a valid excuse, I don't think. The third guy probably had the best excuse of all. He said, Lord, I just got married, and I can't come. <laughs> Maybe he had a point there. I don't know. But here's the deal. Think about this. These are three guys who are invited to a banquet by a king. And all three of these guys used excuses. The first guy uses wealth as his excuse. I just bought a piece of property. The second guy used work as an excuse. I've got to go work these five yoke of oxen. The third guy used his wife as an excuse. She won't let me come. So here's my question to you. What excuse do you keep giving to God for you not putting him first in your life? Lord, let me do this first, and then I'll be sold out to you. Lord, let me do this first, and then I'll be all yours. Again, let me let you in on a little, bit, little secret here. If, if you would just put God first in your life, Again, everything else finds its proper perspective. And it's only when God is first place in your life that living makes sense. Before I move on to question number two, let me give you one more verse of Scripture. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Man, I love this verse. It says, in everything you do, in everything you do. So what is it you do? Everything you do, in everything you do, put God first. And so if you're putting God first in everything you do, in the little things and in the big things, what's he going to do? He will direct you, and he will crown your efforts with? Man, what a bargain. What a deal. If I want my life directed by the God of the universe who knows all things, And if I want success, how many of you want to be successful in life? Raise your hand. Come on. How many of you really want success? Well, here's the answer. You just put God first in everything you do. Put God first, and he will crown your efforts with success. Have you been trying to live just a part-time Christian life? I think that's the the condition of of Jonah. He he wanted some of the benefits of serving the Lord, but when the going got tough and God asked him to do something big, Jonah didn't want any part of it. So the question comes back, what does God want? It's not 50% of you. It's not 60% of your heart. What does God want? Everything. He wants all of you. And that brings us to question number two. What does it take? And I'm sure Jonah's contemplating that in the digestive juices of the fish's stomach. I I understand now, God wants everything. What's it going to take? What does it take to not waste your life? What does it take to become all that God wants you to be? What does it take to develop myself to my fullest potential? Well, again, I can answer it in a single word. It's just one word of what it's going to take. But let me tell you, this is a very unpopular word. You're going to cringe when you hear this word. A lot of people don't like this word. Are you ready for the word? (laughs) What's it going to take? Surrender. Total surrender. That's why I entitled my message, I Surrender All. And a groan was heard across the congregation. Here's the deal. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ without total surrender. I mean, I think this is where Jonah failed. Jonah wasn't willing to give God everything. He was holding back on one piece of his life, which was a prejudice that he had against the people of Nineveh. And God was telling Jonah, You know what, Jonah? We're going to work through that prejudice i want everything you must surrender your will to god's will what is my biblical basis for this it's romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 here paul says i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies as what a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that and, and perfect will of God. There it is. You give it all to the Lord. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is going to be accomplished in your life when you surrender everything to God and hold nothing back for yourself. Here's the visual I like to look at when I think about this total surrender. It's like I come up to this continental divide in my life. There's this big divide here. And God is saying to me, will, my will for your life is on the other side of this divide. And for you to have the peace that passes all understanding, for you to have just that that close, intimate relationship with me, for you to be fulfilling what I've called you to do, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. You're going to have to step across this chasm. You're going to have to cross the continental divide in your life. And as I say yes to God and give a total surrender of my entire life to Him, I make that decision to follow Him, to be His vessel. To be used by him. Guys, let me tell you, sometimes that's not an easy step. We're, We're talking about total surrender, giving everything to God and holding nothing back for ourselves. When I think of that, I think of Abraham on Mount Moriah. You know? I think Abraham was was he was a man of faith. He was giving everything to God. But really, what became his number one priority in life was his son, that miracle boy. And so God said, give me your number one priority. And Abraham climbed on top of Mount Moriah with his son, laid his son on the altar, was about to sacrifice his son, and God said, nope, you don't have to do it because now I know that I am number one in your life. That's total surrender. I think O Jonah, brother Jojo, came to total surrender after three days and three nights at the well motel. He was willing at that point to give God everything. What does God want? He wants all of you, man. Total surrender. Total surrender. And If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's calling you for total surrender. Okay, He's got a perfect will for your life, and he wants you to surrender to his will for your life. I told the first service a story that I've heard years ago, and it just kind of came to my mind that first service. Great story about this young man, high school senior, and this dude, I mean, he was an athlete like no other athlete. Could play any sport, really coordinated, very talented. His favorite sport was football. He had dreams of going and playing collegiately and even going on beyond that, playing in the NFL. Probably had the ability to do it. He was a good kid, good-looking all-American boy, big, strong, good-looking kid. Everybody liked him, great athlete. He was a Christian. His parents went to church. He went to church. But he was struggling with total surrender. And I'll tell you about that here in a second. His senior year, he was at youth camp. Beautiful camp. We didn't have camps like this when I went to youth camp big lake behind the conference center on the other side of the lake this big mountain You beautiful setting last night at youth camp the preacher was up there and i mean he was hammering these teenagers on the lordship of jesus christ we, we don't talk a whole lot about that but it's worth talking about because if jesus is lord he wants to be lord of your whole life and so this preacher was bearing down on the lordship of Jesus and total surrender to Christ and God's got a plan for your life and you need to submit to that plan. And while he was preaching, I don't know, God does this sometimes, God kind of connected the preacher with this young man out in the audience and so he kept his eye on him as he preached. And sure enough, when the invitation was given, that young man came down to pray and the preacher met him down there and the young man was very honest with him. And he said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I don't know about this total surrender thing, and and here's my hang-up, here's my problem. I'm afraid that if I give God everything and I make a total surrender to Him, He's going to call me to be a preacher or a missionary. And I'm not going to get to fulfill my dream of playing professional football. So the preacher is just honest with him, said, well, you know what? I can't tell you what God's going to do, but I can tell you this. Until you settle this issue of surrender, you're going to be miserable. And even if you do become a great athlete, you know what? There's going to be something missing in your life because God is more important than sports. God's more important than anything. You, you You need to struggle through this, and you need to submit to Jesus Christ. Well, he couldn't do it he couldn't give god everything and so the service dismissed preacher went back to his cabin next morning he got up early got a hot cup of coffee man i tell you as i get older i love that hot cup of coffee in the morning two three four ten cups of coffee in the morning i'm kind of like brother nathan i'm bouncing off the walls before midday here he was sitting out there drinking his coffee looking at that beautiful lake and the mountain behind it and all of a sudden, something caught his attention. He saw something out of the corner of his eye. There, there was something leaping from boulder to boulder coming down the face of that mountain. And at first he thought it was some kind of you know, animal, a goat or a sheep or something like that. But as he, as he studied it and looked at it, he said, "No, Noah's a person over there. Some person is, is leaping down and running down that mountain. And so he put down his coffee and he left. And he started going around the lake and the guy was coming down and finally he saw who it was. It was his young man, that, that big hulk of an athlete. He was jumping from boulder to boulder, running down the face of that mountain. And it was apparent that that kid didn't go back to his dorm the night before. He had gone up on top of that mountain. Literally, it became his Mount Moriah. And the preacher said, finally we met. And his hair, his hair was a mess. His clothes were covered with dew. His breath evaded him. But he was able to say to me, I've done it. I've done it, preacher. I've given him everything. And I've held nothing back for myself. (laughs) what's it gonna take total surrender God wants all of you are you at the point where you can give him everything well let's answer that third question you might be able to third question I think Jonah asked himself in the belly of the fish is why should I do it why why should I give God everything why should I make a total surrender to the Lord well I don't know if Jonah would say this to you today or not, but he might say one one benefit of giving him everything is you can avoid the fish's stomach. <laughs> and, and maybe that's good enough for some of you. I think ultimately the best reason of why we should do it is because you know nothing is to be compared with doing God's will, God's way. You know, heaven's a pretty big benefit, isn't it? And accepting Jesus as your Savior and giving your life totally and surrender to Him and receiving the benefit of heaven. Man, that's awesome. That's the ultimate reward, is it not, church? But let's talk about why I should do it right here today. In, in real life, facing the pressures that I face 24 hours a day, going to school, working, family, all the chaos that's in this world in 2020. Why should I do it? Well, I could start listing benefits and we would be here the rest of the day. Yeah. Honestly, when you think about it. Why, why should I do it? Why should I give God everything? Well, let me tell you, you're never going to know real happiness until you do. That's right. The Bible talks about this peace that passes all understanding. Man, the world doesn't have that. They're grasping for it. They're trying to get it through drugs and alcohol and sex and any other way they can, but they're going to come up empty because there's only one way you can have that peace, and that's being in Christ. That's a benefit. I mean, not messing up your life is a pretty good benefit. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. but, But let me just suffice it to say, if there were no benefits... There are, but if there were no benefits, I can give you two words why you ought to do it anyway. The cross. Amen. Why should I give God everything? Why should I give a total surrender of my life to Jesus Christ? Because of the cross. Amen. I'm going to close with this one last verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul said, he died for all. That means Jesus died for you. Why? Because he cares about people. That those who live should no longer just live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again for them. So why should I give God everything and make a total surrender of my life to Jesus? Because Jesus gave you everything. When Jesus was hanging on Calvary's cross, He had you on his mind. When Jesus was giving his life's blood on the cross, he was doing it for you so that your sins could be forgiven, so that your name could be written in the Lamb's book of life, so that you could spend eternity in heaven. Jesus did it for you. Therefore, it only makes sense that I need to give my life to him he gave his life to me. Keenan wasn't able to go yesterday because he had home projects to do. Thanks for doing your home projects. But I went cowboy shooting yesterday at an old Fort gun club. Had a, had a good shoot. They know when we come to the church, there's a church out there at old Fort gun club that, that's named Cavanaugh Church. It's named Cavanaugh Church because our guys went out and built it. And, and so everybody knows that when we come to the church on shoot day that they're going to get a message preached to them by holy smoke i've told y'all this before right so they they're just all they gather around some there's pews in there and some of them sit on the pews and they they at least act like they're paying attention and when i'm finished they all say amen and i told them i said y'all y'all do better than my church people on the amen thank you Here here was my message yesterday at the cowboy shoot for all these cowboys. And again, they're good people. Some of them, them, though, don't go to church. Some of them never been to church. That's the only church they're in. Here's my message to them. I said, I want you to know two things. Number one, God loves you. He loves each one of you. God loves you so much that he gave his only life, his life, to save you from your sins. God loves you. I want you to know God cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about your life. He cares about your problems. He loves you. And he wants to save you. Second thing I want you to know, God has a plan for your life. God made you for a purpose. And the greatest thrill in life is to find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Those two things. God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. And they said, amen. "Amen." I want you to know the same thing, guys. God loves you. God loves you so much, he died for you. And he has a plan for your life. Don't miss his will. How do you not miss the will of God? Well, you give him everything, and it's a total surrender. I surrender all. Heavenly Father, I do that right now, personally. Will Harmon, I surrender all. I give you everything, Lord. I give you my time, my talent, my treasures. I give you my life, my family, my future. Lord, I give everything to you. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just take me and use me in your kingdom. Help me to to lead other people to Christ. Help me to train believers to become disciples. Help me, dear Lord, to go back out into my world and and make an impact for you. I surrender all. And I pray, dear Lord, that would be the prayer of everyone in this room and everyone listening on Facebook Live and KavanaughChurch.com that we would surrender our all to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. And would you... Stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Every one of you, just stand up. Because of COVID, we can't have altar calls. But what I'm going to ask is that you make the place you're standing right now your altar. Make it your Mount Moriah. Make it your spot of sacrifice. And in your own way right now, whether you're in this building or you're watching online live, would you give him everything? Hold nothing back for yourself. Just give him all of your life. Give him your plans, your future. Give him your family. Give him your pocketbook. Give him everything. And say, Lord, I surrender it all. I lay it on the altar today. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would take me and use me in your kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. What does God want? What's it going to take? Why should you do it? Cross. The cross. The cross. God bless you, man. Sit down. You can go ahead and sit down. Got one, one or two announcements, and then we're going to be dismissed. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you're in person, when you leave the room, make sure you put your mask back on. And as you walk out the doors, all five exits, we don't have those big treasure chest boxes anymore. We've got these slimline little metal boxes, black boxes out there. Just drop your offering in the box when you walk out. Or you can give online. Just go to our Facebook or our our KavanaughChurch.com, the Give tab, and you can give online. Appreciate you supporting the ministry of this church. Uh, Keep praying for It's Our Turn. Before you leave the property today, drive around the building and look at the new church that's being built. I mean, it's exciting. All the steel is up. We've got half of the concrete poured the other half is going to be poured this next week. Yesterday when nobody was here, I went out there with my tape measure and I measured off the exact spot I'm going to be standing in preaching. And so I stood there and I preached a little bit. I, just, I was out there preaching and man, it felt good. Eh? So pray daily for it's our turn. Hopefully soon we'll be able to push the play button. And, uh, and be able to pick back up on It's Our Turn. That's the campaign to help us pay for this building. I told the people in the first service, you know, we're building the building, but we got to pay for it. And I've got good news and bad news. Good news is we've got the money to pay for this building. Bad news is it's still in your pocket, right? <laughs> so you be praying what God would have you to do to build the building, and I know everything is going to be great when COVID is over with. And we're back in full force. We're going to fill not only this place up, we're going to fill the new place up as well. And I'm excited. Why? Because our mission is to win people to Christ, to train believers to become disciples, and to send people back out into the world to make an impact. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, Tonight at 6 o'clock, Brother Johnny's going to have Kids Church on Facebook Live. The reason he's doing that, I mean, he's back there right now with kids, but still some kids can't come to church so he wants to be on Facebook Live for them. Then at 6.30, we have the adult Bible study. Ronnie Fox, the Silver Fox, is going to be teaching that lesson. So tune in for that. And then Wednesday night, we're, we're live again, Wednesday night. okay? So come in person Wednesday night. If you're a teenager, y'all are meeting in the big gym. Uh, Brother Johnny's got all the kids back there and the adults are in here. It, it was kind of sparse this past week. I uh, looked out there and everybody had their own pew on wednesday night my prayer is uh that you'd bring a friend and there'd be two to a pew this next week or even more than that hey a lot of people need our prayers so be sure and and pray for them i want you to remember remember that this this week that i love you the staff loves you but most of all god loves you have a great day let's see you